Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Bodybuilding Down Under podcast. This is episode number 72, and you're here with your usual quartet of co-hosts, myself, Jack, DY, and DC. But we're also joined by Mr. Joey Cantlin, coach extraordinaire and all-round nice guy. That's a lie. He's a pretty ordinary bloke. But anyway, he is here. Joey, welcome to the call, mate. I was going to say, I, I actually don't know about both of those points, but specifically the second one. Uh, it depends who you ask. But yeah, thank you. I'm happy to be here. No, it's great to have you on, mate. And um, obviously, the main topic of today's discussion is going to be recapping the last weekend's show, which was the ICN Queensland State Championships. It was a, a fantastic show. A lot of high quality athletes on display and some excellent results, which is probably going to be the first chunk of this discussion. And then we've also got some listener questions that we want to crack into. So Mr. Cantlin, you're, of course, the guest of honor today. So we thought we'd just give you the floor and just give you the opportunity to maybe recap some of your own highlights from your clientele over the weekend. Yeah, um, thanks for that. So we actually had quite a big weekend. Um, we had 14, well, I had 14 clients on stage um, across Australia. Um, so on the Saturday, we had uh, Becky compete in figure. Um, she did really well. She won the classic figure overall um, and then placed in her figure class. Her feedback was she was actually a little bit too muscular for the figure division um, and they would have preferred it to see her in bodybuilding. Um, but that's a whole separate conversation. Uh, but she she did amazing. She also actually won the Coffs Harbour um, figure and figure classic the weekend before as well. So she's had a fantastic start to the season. And she um, these shows were throw-ins for her. So she's actually still six, seven, eight weeks out from her main shows. So we kind of just threw them in at the last minute. So shout out to her. Um, then I had you lads, um, all the bodybuilding. Uh, it was yourself, Lawrence, uh, Kane, Lockie, and Chad. I don't think I'm missing anyone there. And then I had Bunny in fitness as well. Um, and you all did really well, obviously. Um, Chad got a couple of class wins. You got a couple of class wins. Kane got some seconds. Uh, Lockie got a third in his first time as class, I think. And he stacked up really well against some of the bigger boys. Um, obviously, he needs a lot more muscle to be competitive, but he's a young guy. He's a first-timer, so shout out to him. Um, and then I had uh, Hannah and Alyssa competing over in uh, Western Australia. Um, they competed in the IFBB. Um Neither of them got a placing, but they both looked amazing. Um, the IFBB bikini category is always really hard to nail and it's always extremely competitive. So no placings there, but Hannah is doing nationals and she's also doing Brisbane this weekend. So I'm looking forward to seeing what she can bring after receiving some feedback. Um, and then I had Laura compete in the ICN South Coast Classic, which looked to actually be a pretty big show. I didn't expect it to be. Um, and she came second in her fitness open class and then she won the sports model overall. So I think they just preferred her as a sports model as opposed to a fitness model. But she looked very impressive and she'll compete again next weekend, not this one coming. Um, and then on the Sunday, we had Sally who won the bikini overall, had Tanya compete in bikini as well. And then Roxanne and Natasha both do um, fitness and sports model. And um, all those girls did amazingly, looked the best that they have so far this season. So really happy with that. And then I had Judy compete down in NBA in Sydney. 
um, and she won the bikini overall down there. So shout out to Judy. Um, she's quietly killing it this season. She won the overall at her last show as well, and she'll compete again next weekend. Um, sorry, that probably went on longer than it needed to, um, but I just wanted to make sure I gave everyone a mention uh, because they all killed it. So yeah, proud of my team. Shout out to all of you if you're listening. Yeah, beautiful, mate. Sounds like it was a very busy but successful weekend. I'll throw it over to you, DC, just to outline, mm. you know, both your clients and then the broader Team VK as well. How was the weekend for you guys? Yeah, mate, VK conditioning, it was a huge weekend for us. We had uh, 12, 12 athletes competing uh, across across the weekend. So we had uh, 10 athletes competing at the, the ICN Saturday show, uh, Queensland show. And then we also had Malcolm competing at the WNBF. Uh, he took out the, the pro universe over there. And uh, and Jordo, who took out the NBA New South Wales uh, title there as well, so it was just a uh, an incredible weekend for for the you know for for, uh, for Team BK. But um, yeah, and also shout out to all those athletes if, if they're listening to the podcast as well. But um, I'm pretty sure everyone finished with you know podium finishes across the board. We had a couple of wins in terms of open divs. Um, so yeah, it was, it was an immense immense weekend. I don't want to take up too, too much time listing off every single person's achievements but uh it was just a, an immense weekend for for the team i'll give a uh, i'll give a quick rundown sorry of everyone there so we had jess josh tom michael kaylin z cooper jason jay and scott competing at the uh, icn saturday show and then malcolm and jordo um yeah malcolm competing overseas and jordo down in uh, new south wales so i thought i would actually give a shout out to those athletes because they are incredible and they deserve a uh, a shout out on this body yeah, absolutely, mate. DY, how did you go? I know that you didn't have anyone on the Saturday, but how did the Sunday go for you? Lucky for me, and I think Jack as well, pretty much only having one competitor for the uh, for the show, which is really good. It's like, it's good to actually like, you know, relax and enjoy the day. I know when I've had like multiple five plus clients in one show, it gets quite chaotic, but I only had Cartier and she did really well. First time competing on stage, traveled from Melbourne for the show. So shout out. I did mention to her, I was like, Brisbane's probably the best show. They always they always put on a really good quality show. So I wanted her to be there to experience that. And obviously, I wanted to be there for her first show. Give it like a little bit of a test run before we obviously run the shows down in Melbourne and Nationals. Um, she ended up placing first in one of her divs and then pretty much placing in nearly every single div after that as well. So a tremendous first run. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Jack? Yeah, I had it in on the Saturday and it was quite a big weekend for him just because like we changed some things about his peaking uh, from tropics two weeks before. And I don't think, feel like he got recognized in the classic division at tropics either. And um, fortunately he was uh, recognized at the Brisbane show and he, he did really well. He got uh, first in his uh, 30 plus category and the novice category uh, division, I should say, and then second in his open class and uh, really happy with what he bought and we'll be heading to nationals and and actually we'll be doing the WMBF show as well which is exciting and Tierra had four clients so Mary, Margarita, Emily and Alyssa and they're all first-time competitors uh, well this season was their first time competing I believe and uh, a mixture of podium finishes for them so I mean I wish I could grab Tierra quickly to uh, explain further but yeah she's um I think she's eating a meal of the day so um well not her only meal of the day but meal three <laughs> i was gonna say she, i'm sitting here like freaking out like oh my god the only meal yeah she's one meal a day you know the new I'm, that. I'm such such a great coach only let me <laughs> eat once a day 
So Jack, what was the main change for Ian's peak? Like what did you guys switch up? So I think part of it was being able to just focus on classic rather than classic and bodybuilding. Cause I found that that gap from bodybuilding to classic did sort of, uh, he did come in a little bit flatter for classic at tropics and I made the call just to do classic because I think he would have been more competitive in classic. He just, he, he doesn't have quite enough size in bodybuilding to be overly com- uh, competitive, like you know, be winning it essentially. And we're both relatively competitive people. So we picked classic. And also I had a discussion with DC backstage at Tropics, just kind of running through a few peaking options as well. And it was nice to run through a few points with him. And I decided to do a bit more of a mid load. So ran one more, ran a two day sort of mid load on so Thursday, a high calorie day, Friday, a slightly uh, backing off slightly. And um, that he responded quite well to that brought in a lot of fullness and sharpness at the same time for the Saturday. Because mm, I actually remember, yeah, I saw, saw Ian on stage. And I remember thinking, man, he's looking very sharp today. Mm. And I immediately thought, oh, I wonder if Jack's employed a bit of a, an adjustment to the, to the peaking strategy there. So made it work out really well because he looked, looked yeah. incredible. Thank you. Yeah, very nice, mate. I suppose that's always like a, a nice win as a coach when you can make a change like that and and see a, a marked difference in the, the end outcome of your competitor. So mm. that's good. And I suppose um, somewhat self-servingly, I'll just go through my results for the day. So I was able to sneak the win in the under 23s for bodybuilding, uh, won my open class as well, and then got second um, to the very muscular Muhammad in the over 77 kilo class. So it was a really good day. Um, I think Joey and I were both in in massive agreement that it was certainly a, a sharper and fuller look than Townsville. So improved from that, which was good. And, you know, obviously no overall, but the, the guys who were ahead of me on the day were, were all very, uh, very good bodybuilders. So you can't really complain about that too much. Anything to add, Joseph? Uh, not to that, mate. I, I would absolutely agree. I think you improved on top of Townsville, maybe a little bit leaner, peaked a little bit better. Um and yeah, I thought you looked fantastic. I mean, I always say this to my competitors, like I, I'm just as competitive as, as you guys. Like you could argue that I want to see you win more than you guys want to win. Um, that's just how I've always been. But I always say like with bodybuilding, if you don't win and you get beaten by someone who's really, really good, it's just as good as winning because you place as high as you realistically could have. Like, Muhammad was fantastic, like very, very muscular man. It's not like he wiped the floor with you. And then obviously Alex, uh, that yeah, Alex in the overall, um, he was, you know, he was him. Like he's very impressive. Um, so yeah, I'm very happy. And, you know, I you, you could argue that that was, that was even cooler than Tropics because you came up against, you know, bigger stacked lineups with a little bit more quality. Uh, not to say the Tropics wasn't. It, there was still some good high-end quality, but obviously there's just a larger volume in Brisbane. Um, and you still were placing... But I mean, you were winning open classes. So, I mean, I, I'm very happy. Like you said, you're very happy. And I think everyone that was there to support you was pretty impressed as well. So, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. I think that's where, you know, if you can combine the feeling on show day of bringing your best having known that you've done all you can. And then, you know, if someone better does beat you, sort of just like fair play. But, you know, we've, we've mentioned a few names there, like, you know, Alex Wilson, the guy who took the overall in the bodybuilding was extremely impressive. Mohammed was extremely impressive. 
And, you know, obviously we had the pleasure of getting to see Z on stage as well and um, got to rub shoulders with him up in the gold class, which was awesome. And man, like in person, that guy is just absolutely unbelievable. But I thought we'd go around and maybe just mention any other real standout physiques that we were really impressed with from the day. So I might jump over to you, DC. Yeah, maybe, maybe this sounds a little bit biased here, but I, I thought Tom, uh, my, my athlete that was up in the fitness div, looked absolutely incredible. I was super, super proud of the physique that he, he brought to the stage. And um, for someone who didn't place as well in his first comp, um, you know, a couple of years back to then take me out an Ovens class, that, that was a real, a real highlight for me uh, in terms of, in terms of that day for sure. So uh, I'm sorry to be a little bit biased in that, in that answer, but that's literally the, the first person that comes to mind for me. Yeah, no, he did look great, man. And yeah, I, I thought that, um, you know, just his whole package on stage was very polished, you know, like a lot of charisma, posed extremely well. And yeah, he, he looked really, really, really good. So credit to both of you guys, man. Is he continuing on for the rest of the season? No, so he's wrapping up his season now. I think, you know, he, he basically achieved what he wanted to achieve out of this this, uh, this Queensland show, uh, realizing that perhaps to take away, you know, a pro card moving forward would need a little bit more mass in certain areas. Uh, and we're only realistically going to be able to build that unless we, you know, move into an off season. So I think that's kind of that that next goal in in mind is to perhaps you know venture on towards uh, nationals and, and go for that pro card. Yep, excellent. What about you, Dy? I reckon my favorite physique, one that I really did like, was the girl that competed in fitness. She didn't end up winning the overall, but she won the opens category, and she was extremely impressive. Her name was uh, Lauren Duncan. She was actually prepped by Z. I remember seeing her backstage and just the ratios, the amount of muscularity, like the conditioning, the actual posing on her too. Like she looked absolutely killer. Um, she's one physique that I really, really do think would get rewarded heavily at nationals. Just like I said, she's got the taper. She's got everything. It was, it was a very impressive physique, um, especially for fitness, considering a lot of like the fitness divs now just more or less go for like large amounts of mass. Just having so much aesthetics in the mass was just extremely good to see. Was she the girl in the green bikini? Yeah, it was the girl in the green bikini. You stole you stole one of mine. I thought she was unbelievable. Anyway, sorry, sorry to butt in. Um, yeah. Yeah, Nicole and I were backstage at the ICN ACT show, and obviously they're you know, they're from Canberra. And I remember both Nicole and I turning to one another and being like, She looks incredible. Like and then, you know, realizing that we were obviously Z's Z's athlete and like, I went over to Z and to congratulate him on just, you know, how well um, her, her physique was looking for that particular show. So no doubt they even made improvements to the ICN, you know, Queensland show. And I think between, you know, Poppy and, and her, like it could honestly go on either way. Um, uh, she, she could be very well rewarded, just like you said, at the, the national show, I think. Completely different height classes as well, so they'll they'll be competing separately at nationals. Is uh, there anyone else from your end, Jack, that you thought was was standout? Yeah, I wanted to just mention the bodybuilding in general, just because it was so great to see so many bodybuilders up there. Um, I've been, I mean, Joey's would have been go- going to shows for the longest year, but I've been going to them every year for since 2017, and um, I think the last time I would have seen that many bodybuilders at a state show in Queensland would have probably been back in 2017. Uh, so it was, it was good to see, like, when was the last time they had two novice categories for bodybuilding? I don't, I don't remember. So um, yeah, just the, I think um, it's nice to see so many people coming up to bodybuilding. And I think maybe from what I saw on the weekend, it looked as if like ICN Queensland, at least is maybe 
encouraging people to do bodybuilding a bit more because they were rewarding maybe slightly less muscular physiques for some of the other categories. Um, and therefore that's kind of their uh, reinforcement encouragement to move to bodybuilding. Yeah, definitely. And I think not only the numbers, but like just the quality of the athletes as well. Like there were, you know, a, a lot of guys there who, you know, on any given day could could take out a regional show quite comfortably. And so that's the sort of quality that you want to see at States. Like, man, some of the lineups, you look the whole way down from first to fifth. And if you look at those guys on your their own, you go, damn, like, you know, that guy looks really freaking good. Mm. And, you know, it just is a, a really big testament. And it was really cool, like, to see the younger guys representing as well. Like that of all of my years competing, um, that was certainly the biggest juniors lineup I've stood in, which was awesome because it was sort of my last year as a junior. So it's nice to see that the sport is is in good hands with some young guys that are going to, I suppose, keep carrying the baton as it so may be. And, um, you know, like I always think it's something cool about the UK shows where they've got these like huge lineups of teens and juniors and, I just think it's it's nice to see that, you know, the the more traditional side of the sport is still being, you know, liked by that younger generation. Yeah. Do you they, think that with the emergence of like ICN Classic um, and just the popularity of the Classic Div, like in recent years, it's almost like the bodybuilding was somewhat diluted or it, it sort of, it removed the amount of competitors looking, you know, interested in the bodybuilding Div. And it's kind of like now it's done a bit of a full circle and it seems like bodybuilding is actually becoming a little bit more popular again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. One I, one thing I noticed was that there were a lot of people doing classic and by a lot, maybe three or four people who could have easily stepped into bodybuilding. And I even saw BK backstage kind of <laughs> talking to one of the classic blokes saying, Oh, did you do bodybuilding? And I think he was a little surprised that he didn't. So, I mean, this is maybe our encouragement as well. Like if you're doing classic, why not do bodybuilding as well? Like there, if you've got the muscularity for, to do well in classic, then you have the muscularity to to hold your own in bodybuilding too. And it, and it really sort of just... comes, I was just going to say, Jack, it sort of comes back to like that question of, of whether or not there should just be a little bit more blending between mm. bodybuilding and classic. And I'd like to hear you guys input on this. So maybe we'll go to you, Jack, next. But like, you know, should there just be one bodybuilding division, but should there perhaps be a little bit more leniency with the posing where it's rather than thinking of the poses as like a bodybuilding pose and a classic pose. How about it's just like, okay, what is your best front double bicep hit that front double bicep. And then some people might hit it with a vacuum. Some people might hit it with slightly more curve in their waists. Like I almost think we could blend the two together where we would have these awesome, massive bodybuilding lineups and potentially just a little bit more freedom to the posing. Yeah, I think that uh, you make a good point. And the only uh, constructive feedback I have for that is if everyone's doing slightly different poses, it really does make the criteria a bit harder. Like maybe this is something we'll talk about today, but does ICN even have a criteria that they tick off? I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, I, I can imagine if every, if like there's six people up on stage and they're all striking different front doubles, then that that might make it a bit more difficult. But I think that's where maybe WMBF does a good job of they allow that posing routine at the start where you can be more flexible with your poses. And um, they also really narrow down on the X frame for their bodybuilding, uh, which not all uh, federations do. But uh, I mean, I, I personally like both because it means I get to compete in both. And 
I'm I'm a little biased, of course, in that realm. And maybe it also gives bodybuilders the opportunity to, um, if they become a pro bodybuilder or a classic person who becomes pro, they can compete as an amateur in the other one. What's interesting with the with the WNBF because I remember watching uh, one of their world shows and sort of looking down the line in terms of the competitors. And some of them did have slight variations to, let's say, like their, you know, their front double bicep pose. Uh, like as an example, Dr. Andrew uh, Chappelle, he, he, he has sort of a, a hip tilted classic variation of the front double bicep pose. Uh, and even his front symmetry pose kind of stands as a classic variation. So, you know, if that was something like uh, ICN, that'd be marked down in the bodybuilding div because it would be like, well, you're actually hitting a classic variant to the front symmetry uh, whereas obviously within within the WNBF, I think sometimes there's some you know adjustments within the posing that you might that might suit your physique a little bit better. Like for example, rather than hitting the conventional side tricep pose, you might hit the the side tricep with the quad spiked variation. You know, which we we immediately think is the classic variation of the side you know side tricep. Yeah. Anything to add to that, Joey? Yeah, I I see all the good points there, and I think that I think there's definitely a place for posing to be a little bit more classic in bodybuilding if you see fit but coming going back to jack's point as someone who is judged lack of uniformity makes it really difficult um and this is why the fitness model divisions and the sports model divisions and sometimes the bikini divisions get a little bit messy because a lot of the girls are doing different poses because they do allow that now i'm all for male bodybuilders making their poses a little bit more classic but if the judges call front double bicep and you've got one hand on your hip doing a lat spread and the other one with doing the bicep like you might do in a classic physique division it's like like how do we how do we grade that competitor um there was actually this conversation is interesting because there was actually a competitor on the weekend that competed in juniors who i thought was extremely impressive um, he was number 207. I don't know his name. He had green trunks on. And I know this because he was that impressive. He was doing a lot of classic poses. And I actually had him neck and neck with you for first place. Um, he's, he was very muscular. He was very conditioned. But the only thing that I can think of that landed him in the third place was the fact that he just wasn't doing bodybuilding poses. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, why did this guy not do? Like, maybe he did do classic later in the day. I didn't see. I think he did. Um, yeah. Okay. Like, like, I hope he did well because he was very impressive. But he had all the makings of a bodybuilder. But a lot of his poses were just very classic. And I'm thinking maybe that's what got him marked down. Maybe he didn't show his physique to its full bodybuilding potential for that category. So whilst I think it's good to encourage people to maybe have slight variances on their bodybuilding poses, and we shouldn't necessarily encourage people to just be one way and one way only, I think we also still need to encourage a level of uniformity within these divisions to make the judging as accurate as possible. Because one of my motivations to get into judging was it would frustrate me if there was a competitor that was overlooked or I thought was really unfairly placed um, after they have spent so long um, putting in all that effort, spending in all that money for their contest prep just to maybe get an unfair result on stage. And I'm not saying that, you know, like a lot of this happens, but I have seen it before. I'm sure you guys have seen it before. Um, so I guess coming back to 
the question is like, should we make them one division? I don't think so because I just think it creates a lack of uniformity and it makes the criteria even more confusing. I think that's why potentially the the classic div in IFBB is so attractive for even yes. natural competitors to compete within, right? Because mm-hmm. they have very set set criteria around what poses they strike. Whereas, yes. you know, within ICN, it's kind of up to interpretation as to, okay, strike the bicep variation that you kind of like the best. And I guess, you know, if a, if a judge likes a certain variation of uh, a front, you know, front bicep pose more than the other, and that's the that's the pose that, that a particular competitor is striking, then, you know, is there uh, a bias to perhaps select that person mm-hmm. as the most favorable, you know, pose that they've struck? Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think, um, like, just, just to add on to that, I think with when Classic Physique first came about in the ICN, I think, like any new division, it got a bit confusing and there was a bit of confusion on how to judge it. Like, do we still award people who are doing the traditional bodybuilding poses, even though they actually have a classic physique? And this is where the water gets a little bit murky is they might be doing like your stock standard front double bicep and look extremely classic. Like you can still look classic doing a bodybuilding pose. Like if you know, you know, right. Mm. But they will get marked down for not doing a classic pose. Um, That's the part of, classic physique that I get frustrated with because they kind of miss the bigger picture, but I do understand like it is also good that they encourage the uniformity and the fact that everyone has to do a quote unquote classic pose. So yeah, that's just my two cents. A good example of that. It was probably more like five cents. Sorry. Yeah. At least a dollar 50 there, but I think a good (laughs) example of that is like, you know, the classic version of the side chest where your sort of hands are together like that like show me any human being whose side chest looks better like that than it just a normal side chest and it's like if you look at the guys from the classic era hitting a side chest like arnold like franco they just hit a side chest but maybe they're just Mm. not like diving down or bending their leg as much to highlight the hamstring so like I would rather just see dudes hit a more upright side chest and that be the version of the classic pose. I just don't know. Like sometimes I almost think that guys on stage end up hitting poses that they don't look as impressive in because they have to like classicify them to the nth degree. And that's where I think that the Federation breaks down a little bit. Like the, the rear double bicep is another great one where it's like, just hit your real double bicep with maybe some straighter legs, maybe not as much emphasis on the lower body rather than like having to throw a finger up because I'm like, I don't know. It just takes away from the pose in my opinion. Yeah. We, we encourage like little things like that, like not encourage. Um, We look past little things like that when we judge in India. Um, Like I actually don't have a problem with a classic physique competitor doing just a straight up rear double bicep because I understand that a rear double bicep is kind of just a rear double bicep and when you move away from that, like you were saying, like throwing a hand up or something, it can kind of look worse and make someone look less conditioned or less muscular. Um, so yeah, that that's a pose that I actually kind of look past to a degree. Yeah. Like it, when you raise an arm up, it just lengthens a lot. You can't contract it the same and it just doesn't look as good. So yeah. I've actually only ever had one client as a classic physique competitor look better from the rear when they do a classic pose as opposed to bodybuilding pose. And that was Ryan. 
Mm. And like a lot of you guys probably remember him. Like he was just classic as hell. But most people like Jack mentioned, like you just literally make your physique look longer and less muscular. Yeah, we've um we've got another fairly sizable topic to cover today, gentlemen, which in our little niche is kind of breaking news. You know, it's, it's headline news. And I'm going to go to DY first, primarily because we just haven't heard his voice in a while. But for those of you who aren't aware, the WNBF have recently come out with a rule change. And anyone, please correct me if I get the details of this wrong. But essentially saying that anyone who is a competitor wanting to compete with the WNBF, if they are a holder of a pro card in an enhanced federation, then even if they do pass a polygraph and a urine analysis, they would not be allowed to compete with WNBF. And that has created some shockwaves in the natural bodybuilding community. So I think this is going to be a, a big discussion and something that a lot of people have already spoken on, but I'd love to hear what BDU has to say. So, DY, what are your thoughts when you hear this, mate? It's a, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because, like, you know, you look at all the people that are involved in the bodybuilding community, like, naturally, like Eric Helms, like Alberto Nunes, and no one is happy with it. And and to be honest, it is quite disrespectful, like, you know, to the natural athletes that, you know, might want to compete with other federations. Like, you know, maybe they've, like, you know, for example, Babacar, like, you know, he's won three or whatever it is uh WMBF world titles like you know is he just going to keep coming back and that's his ceiling like you know he branches over to the IFBB to see what like you know see what he could do against some of the enhanced individuals um and now what just because of that he can't come back to you know hopefully maybe claim another world title like I don't agree with it if the, in the end it's a natural federation if they're staying natural they can pass the polygraph the urine test and you know they're up to standard and they you know want to do it like you know that's up to them um but i don't see them having to give away other pro cards which might be an issue down the line like you know some federations maybe make people give up their pro cards if they want to go to different federations um but in the end if they're natural why can't they do a natural show especially if they pass all the testing that's required yeah what do you think dc yeah this was such an interesting interesting topic because i can see both both angles as to why you know why the wnbf would put this sort of restriction in place and i think it comes from a from the premise of you know, if you are a natural competitor, why not just support natural bodybuilders? You know, why not just support natural natural federations and invest your your money in terms of registration, etc. You know, within within these uh, within a federation like the WNBF that puts forth rigorous testing protocols and everything like that. You know, realistically, the the amount of people that this would directly influence in terms of the amount of natural competitors that actually hold a pro status. Uh, that, who, that then want to come back and compete within WNBF is quite a small pool of individuals, right? But what I think it does create for other competitors who aspire to do something like that is like the illusion of control. So it, it basically creates this sense of control. The WNBF are trying to control where you compete, where you invest your time and who, who essentially you know, decide that you, you wish to compete within. And I mean, even, even in, with, within myself, I... I, I think of it from the premise that it just doesn't sit well with me personally. I don't like the idea of, of you know, personally being controlled as to what federation I should compete with. Um, that's one of the things that I love, for example, about ICN is that I hold a, a pro status with ICN, but they're very, very uh, relaxed in terms of who I then choose to compete with it because I still intend on competing with ICN. I still intend on supporting the, the, the federation that I hold the pro card within. Um, and I wouldn't turn my, my back on them whatsoever. And I think 
that should be almost enough. You know what I mean? When it comes to like the, the WNBF, it has its reputation. Uh, people support it. People want to compete within the WNBF. They know it, it sits very high in terms of, you know, its natural status uh, across the globe in terms of federations. Um, I don't think a, a procedure like this or, or these rules in place are unnecessary, realistically. Um, and I guess all it takes is to, to look on the forums and look on the, the comment sections and things like that to see that most people are in agreement. I would say. Yeah, I think something that sits a bit weirdly with me is like this whole idea of, you know, why would you want to support an untested federation? Because it almost paints it in a light that it's like, oh, you're you're supporting criminal activity. You're like, you're supporting this like, you know, organization that's doing the wrong thing. And I think it, it, it ties too much of a moral argument to the idea of being an enhanced bodybuilder. Because like, it, it's not a moral thing at all. Like, just because you're a natural, that doesn't make you a better person than someone who's taking enhancements. Like, it's got absolutely nothing to do with it. And I think where it sits a bit funny with me is that like, you know, drawing this really hard line in the sand of like, you know, with these pure naturals and we only support natural feds when in actuality, like seeing high level natural bodybuilders do well in these enhanced divisions, how is that anything but a, you know, a big plus for natural bodybuilding to say like, hey guys, like look at all of these awesome people. They're not necessarily having to, you know, potentially put their health on the line or go down the route of enhancements, which there's nothing wrong with anyway, if you're doing it safely. But I don't see how that's anything but a bonus for natural bodybuilding to see the caliber that can be achieved naturally. And if those people are then getting higher profile status and then coming back to compete with your fed, that's going to then reflect well on your fed. So I don't know. I think they're kind of hamstringing these very high level athletes because the ones who are going to be able to acquire like let's say IFBB pro status, your Babacars, your Bob Waterhouses, maybe one day someone like a Keefe West, you know, the people that are going to do that, they're the ones with the big followings. They're the ones that are going to get eyes on your shows. So why would you then want to put up a wall after they've, you know, wanted to come back? Like, I don't know. To me, it, it just sits a bit funny. Yeah, I agree. And um, I, yeah, that was a point I was going to make Lawrence about uh, the followings and the, propaganda for natural bodybuilding those those people who make it as an ifbb professional they usually have a larger reach uh, the final point i'll make is also like a uh, positive versus negative incentive as well like it's a massive negative incentive that they're advertising by stopping and controlling people from doing something but why not just offer positive incentives to compete with wmbf instead rather than negatively reinforcing um it's kind of like positive and negative reinforcement to to kids like you obviously don't want to smack your kid you want to try and use more strategic techniques to to make them behave a certain way so um yeah i think that's a valid point too Mm, I guess this also doesn't doesn't just reflect on the male categories as well. Like if we look at it from the premise of the you know IFBB bikini, right? There's well, I mean we had uh, we had obviously the, the girls on the podcast who were advocates as as natural bikini competitors, but they have the goal of competing with the IFBB and you know winning their their pro card. And it it's it, I would say it's probably more realistic for someone who is a natural to potentially win an IFBB pro status as a bikini, you know, bikini athlete. Um, and also then, you know, with the emergence of like WNBF Australia, uh, that then 
cuts that off as in, you know, you can no longer compete with, uh, with the WNBF at that point in time. So I guess this kind of shoots themselves in the foot in that regard and that it's not just, you know, if we look at the male categories and yes, it is, it's the, 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 the realisticness of, of coming away with a pro status in the IFBB as a male, pretty damn hard, right? Like you have to be the, the one percenter with regards to your genetic potential to do that. And I would say, you know, as a female, I'm certainly not painting the picture that it's easier, certainly not easier by any means, but the muscularity of, of the bikini division is less, right? So you can have some women that have fantastic genetics that, that have a possibility of taking away a pro status. And again, I just don't think it's, it's, it's the right approach. It's shooting themselves in the foot and it's preventing, you know, fantastic competitors that are natural from competing within the WNBF. And yeah, Joe, I mean, obviously my... you're the you're the most sort of in the WMBF of everyone here. So mm. what's your opinion? Yeah, I want to first off start by saying like like DC said, like I can see the vision from there. So I'd like I understand what like the mindset. However, I just think it's nearsighted. Um and I thought it was pretty disappointing because to me as a natural federation, like let's, let's say it's my federation, right? I'm just going to speak from the point of view that it's like that I would own it. Right. If I had, you know, let's say I have a hundred pros, it actually doesn't even matter how many, but if I have a bunch of pros and some of them hold IFBB pro cards as natties, I get to say, man, like the competitors, the pro competitors in my federation are the best. Like they are so good that they were able to go to IFBB and win a pro card naturally. Wouldn't you want to compete against the best in the world? Come and compete with us. Like to me, I just think it makes them look one, like it, it's a little bit embarrassing because it looks like they're trying to basically just control athletes. Um, especially considering the amount of people that this would actually impact is so small. Like it's such a big sort of statement for something that would have such little impact anyway. Um, and like, mate, like it just kind of, to me, it waters down the Federation a little bit. And like DC mentioned, like, it's not just the male categories either. Like there is like, you know, it's still very, very hard. Like DC said to win a bikini pro card with the IFBB. I have bikini girls competing in IFBB trying to win one. It shit ain't easy. Um, even if you're enhanced, but Natural bikini girls can definitely get it done, right? I've I've seen it. So yeah, it's just it's frustrating because as a federation, I would want my competitors to be the best natural competitors in the world. And by them winning an IFBB Pro card, that would say to the rest of the world that like our federation attracts the best like physiques in the world, like ten toes down. So for me, I didn't agree with it. Um, I was pretty disappointed. Like I said, I see the vision. I just think it's very nearsighted and yeah, just a little bit disappointed. Yeah. And I think the final thing I'll say is just like, it was very, very shocking almost to hear them say, even if you pass the polygraph, even if you pass the urine analysis, because I can understand the angle that they're taking it from in terms of like, you know, one of the biggest things about the WMBF is their calling card, if you will, is their commitment to keeping natural bodybuilding truly natural and all the vigorous testing that they do to ensure that's the case. But to take it that step further and say, even if you pass the polygraph, even if you pass the urine analysis, like you still wouldn't be allowed, like 
to me, that just seems illogical. Like I, I don't understand that rule at all because well, then you're bringing like into question your own power, right? Yeah. It's like, you're bringing into question the methods of testing that you stand by, but okay. If it applies to this person, it doesn't count. Like oh, that makes no sense to me. Yes. It's, it seems Agreed. like a very emotional decision all around on their, on their end. Yeah. So it's going to be yeah, interesting. Which... It's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. Mm. But uh, I suppose that's probably one that you know we could talk about for a whole episode, but we'll leave it there, I think, lads. So there's a, a few other questions, about three more that we'll cover around you know, just talking about competing shows. Uh, it feels like this is the, the episode that we're just going for, for pure controversy today. So uh, DY, we're going to throw this one over to you, mate. So these are listener questions. We haven't just cooked these up to uh, have spicy topics, guys. But this one asks, do you think people with larger social media accounts place better at shows? For the WBFF, most certainly. And I think that's they even know that. That's more or less a part of their criteria, marketability and so on like that. But I can't say I've ever seen someone, even in the WMBF, like, for example, like Babaka, like, you know, the guy lives off on an island over in Italy, like, you know, doesn't even post much on social media and he's winning the world's like... I've never seen something, even at like an ICN show where like some girls, I've seen girls come in with like, you know, a couple of hundred thousand followers and they're sitting off over in fifth place. So I realistically don't see the social media following at all playing a factor in especially a majority of the like natural federations. I've never seen something where I've been like, wow, she should have definitely won. Um, and, you know, she got ripped off because of someone with the social media following. So that's my take on it but in late until i see something where it looks really really out of place um i can't really comment on it because i haven't seen it from my interpretation with uh icn at least like it they don't seem on top enough of socials to really know who has a social following so i like for example jason uh i don't want to speak for him but like he he's not prominent on instagram like i, I don't even know if he has instagram he might have he might have an account but i um yeah, I don't think he would know who has a big following. Not that he's the main judge or he is a judge, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't even know any of the judges on on social media myself. Like, um, but I'm in my own little box, so to speak. I think that's a good thing, though. Like, you know, staying off. Like, you know, you don't have that bias. Like, you might see yeah. someone you scroll through, be like, wow, this guy looks good. You know what? He's got a million followers. It's like, stuff it. You know, chuck him on the front page. Get mm. him up there on that first podium. Yeah, I mean, for context, Jason, when I saw him when I was getting my tan, he asked me how I went at Tropics. So it's like, <laughs> the man didn't even know that. So like, I think it speaks to the fact that, you know, they're not letting past results or they're not letting much color their decision. I mean, look at Shane Little. Like, no one even knew he was competing. He posted like one picture from 10 weeks out, had no, like nothing on Instagram at this point. And he went undefeated, got his pro card, placed in a pro lineup, like had one of the, the best seasons that we've ever seen. So yeah, I really don't think that comes into it. I think I almost find it very, very funny when people talk about like politics in bodybuilding, when they're talking about it at our level, like an amateur level at ICN in the natural feds. Like for me, politics in bodybuilding is when we're talking about the Mr. Olympia, you know, like there's this understanding that in the Mr. Olympia, you almost have to like earn your way into the top five like they're not going to just grant you there you almost need to kind of wear the old guard down you know you see these guys that have been around for years and years and years probably place a little bit ahead of guys that might be a bit better because they're kind of just being rewarded for being veterans in the sport like i think there's an understanding of that 
at the very top. But when it comes to like actual politics, I just don't think it, it really exists in ICN. And look, from my perspective, you don't see the top coaches complaining about politics. That's all I'll say. Like you don't see the Joey Cantlins, Brandon Kempters complaining about politics. And it just so happens that they put out very good competitors. And, you know, the people that I hear complaining about politics are often just not very good coaches. That might be a hot take, but from what I've seen, it seems to be quite consistent. Mm. I, I was going to say the only reason you won the past weekend was because of your social media following, is it? Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, mate, I'm just, I'm a juggernaut on Instagram. You know, I'm just, yeah, collecting these checks, baby. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't really think I've seen um, anything regarding like social media, like someone's placed higher, at least in a federation that doesn't take, that hasn't like said that they take into account marketability. Like, yes, maybe we hear of this like at WBFF, but the WBFF also states in their judging criteria that, marketability plays a role so i guess if you if you show your ability to market the wbff on your social media in the lead up to the show then i i guess they they do have a right to include that as part of the criteria that's probably going to upset a few people but i like i, I think that would upset clear me about that, but, oh yeah i mean in terms of like people might not think that that's the case yeah but, but I, at least it as- seems to be as long as you know that going into it, but like as a competitive person myself, like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Oh, like- I, I totally agree. And I think bodybuilding should just be bodybuilding, but the WBFF is stands for world beauty, fitness and fashion. Yep. So it is not just, just your physique. And they, they do state in their criteria that marketability plays a role. So yeah, I think you see it there, but I personally haven't seen it anywhere else. Um, yeah. Apart from Lawrence winning on the weekend. Oh, Have you even really it. seen it though on the IFBB stage where you've really been like, holy shit, this guy's got ripped off. Like I see an argument for maybe like some people here and there, but like, you know, some of the winners for the Mr. O, like, you know, like they realistically don't have the following like some of the other people might have. Yeah, no, I would agree. Not so much in terms of like the winners. Like, I mean, you take someone like Hardy Chopin, the current Mr. O, like there's, you know, 10 guys in the open that would have, you know, way more followers, potentially millions more than him. But I think it's more just that like kind of working your way in to the old guard. It does yeah. seem to be there in the open where it's like you need to just do a few runs around the track before you might get recognized and, and start to place. But I, I completely agree. I don't think it's like these egregious because otherwise they would just, you know, give Nick Walker the win every year. You know, he's probably the biggest name in terms of like, marketability youtube social media um when it comes to the open guys but you know he still hasn't placed first in the open so i think it's worth considering i wanted to to go to another topic as well dc maybe you can kick us off here um so this question says thoughts on judges not using scorecards at icn like all the other states and national shows so Mm. i'm probably not as well versed on this so maybe you can give us some context as well yeah, sure. Uh, I think this is a great question. Yeah, because I do think that, you know, within the subjectivity of our sport, uh, utilizing scorecards almost acts as a, an objective you know, additive to the marking criteria, right? Um, you know, I think when you have a panel of judges, uh, you want your score to be completely reflective of 
what your physique is, you know, what what display, what does what physique you're displaying on, on on that stage. And I do think that um, you know, on a panel of judges that potentially doesn't utilize a scorecard, it can be very difficult to know. Uh, and firstly, also provide adequate feedback when someone you know asks uh, post-show as to what you could improve upon if you've had you know a thousand entries roll through on that particular day. It's going to be very hard for a judge to to recall a particular athlete and provide feedback. Um, you know, I think about it from the premise of like if I'm sitting, if I'm you know if I'm judging, I'm sitting at the judging table, and I have a host of you know eight competitors walk out in front of me. Uh, if I'm just scanning across and I'm not actually writing anything down, I'm not writing objective marks, I'm not placing them appropriately and, and referring back to my scorecard, I personally would find it very challenging to, to, to mark the athletes, you know, from one to eight. Um, I do think that if it's a casual discussion on, on the table and it's not actually recording of, of scorecards, um, you know, can there potentially be some degree of bias in place? Let's say, for example, I'm sitting at that panel and I'm sitting next to someone, uh, another judge, as an example, who I believe has better expertise at marketing, at, at marking bodybuilding than myself. And let's say that, that that judge turns to me and says, you know what, I think competitor number three, they have the best physique. They're definitely taking the win today. Well, you know, because I uphold uh, the belief that this particular judge to my left-hand side knows more about the bodybuilding div than myself. And I do think that that can sway my opinion about who I believe I should select, you know, who I should place, et cetera. Uh, I know, for example, in some federations, it's it's somewhat uh, a, a no-go zone for you to actually interact with other judges on the panel. Like you are, you literally sit there with your scorecard and you minimally interact with the judges next to you. Unless, for example, you're asking for another rotation of an athlete or an athlete to move to a different placing, like a, as in like move around the stage, et cetera. Uh, because, you know, that there is bias in place. There's confirmation in bias in place if I'm just confirming with beliefs to other, you know, other judges next to me. Um, it can even be influenced potentially by who I'm just sitting next to, right? So if it's a panel of judges and there's six judges in a row and I'm sitting right smack in the middle, I'm not interacting with the judges on, I mean, if we're allowed to interact, I'm not interacting with the judges on the very left, nor am I interacting with the judges on the very right. So my, 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 I guess my bias is going to be influenced potentially by just the people who are left and right of me. I'm going to be talking to them the most on the, on the panel. Um, so I think, and I definitely, you know, I, I think this topic of conversation is a challenging one because obviously we don't want to step on anyone's toes and, uh, and, and, and say that judging is unfair in any means. This is just a really an open discussion. And whoever asked this question has obviously you know, thought that um, we would provide some, some good insight on, into this particular you know, topic of conversation. But you know, I also reflect on, let's say, a show as large as the ICN Queensland show, where let's say we're getting, you know, I mean, I'm not entirely sure how many entries there were over the weekend, but let's say a thousand, you know, let's just, let's just say a thousand. I mean, if you've got a scorecard for every single athlete and every single, you know, category that rolls through and every single div, that day is going to go exceptionally long. Like think about how, how long the days go, both Saturday and Sunday. And that's without the inclusion of a scorecard. Now I add a scorecard, the tallies are, you know, marked up, et cetera. That adds even more time to my day. So I understand maybe why scorecards are not utilized as much within certain states and with certain federations, but I think it's almost necessary. 
And maybe it's even more necessary for, if I'm, let's say I've got a, a, a pro show where every single, let's say, you know, pro, pro bodybuilding, I've got eight pro athletes up there. They're all conditioned enough. They all have striated glutes. They've all got enough muscularity. They, they all have, you know, incre you know, incredible symmetry. The posing is flawless. And I'm just having a general discussion with the competitors left, like the, the judges left and right with me. That's not good enough. Like I, it, the, the, the difference between who's coming first and second is like splitting hairs. So you need to have some degree of objectiveness within that. And to me, that's the scorecard. So yes, <laughs> that's, that's yeah. my thoughts on that. Yeah. And I think that you're completely right with the numbers of divisions and, you know, different divisions that ICN has. I don't think the scorecard would work. And I think that's where you look at a model like the UK DFBA, where it's much simpler in terms of the divisions. Like you take, well, automatically, like you lose several divisions. It's like for the guys, it's bodybuilding, classic, men's physique, already simpler. And then even with that, there's not like, 30 plus 40 plus 50 plus it's just masters and then there's not like you know all these first timers and novice and rookie and all that it's just you're in the open you're in the juniors the teens or the novice and then it's so it's like yes you'd have bigger lineups but that's where the call outs come into it as well where you're sort of like probably getting rid of half the pack straight up and then maybe it's only when you're placing people that you get the scorecards so yeah if the scorecards would come into it it would really have to involve like a complete revamp of how they structure the divisions and the shows. Otherwise, yeah, we're talking like, ima yeah, imagine how long those days would be. It would be wild. Like you could think about maybe uh, scorecards for the opens and the overalls, but then of course people will say, oh, I did first timer and I didn't get a scorecard. And so there's a lot of... Uh, gets complicated quite quickly but i agree with all the points dc made and especially someone putting in all that work just to have some judges have a conversation at the table even though even though i would say like 95 plus percent of the calls at an icn show i would agree with like they obviously do a great job and uh, we mm -hmm. don't want to discredit that either yeah i also just want to want to preface that as well this is certainly not like a dig at anyone in particular judges federations anything of that token um, you know, I think just with the sheer number of competitors on the day, that's, that's how it needs to gravitate towards, you know, more of a, a panel discussion as opposed to actual scorecards, because it's impossible. I mean, I, I think about if I was on the panel of, let's say an ICN show, and there's that volume of competitors coming through, it would be so hard to, to, to mark every single person, you know, utilizing a scorecard. And, you know, if, if that was, what was required of me, I would hope that the judges get paid a tremendous amount of money to do that as well, because it's just a lot to do within that day. So it's almost like a product of the system, you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, hey, these are great, you know, discussions to have, because I guess all of us have our thoughts around how we can make the judging across multiple federations, you know, as best as possible, as fairest as possible. And, um, you know, and, and take further steps forward, you know, within natural bodybuilding as a whole. Yeah, I think DC made all fantastic points and pretty much summed it up beautifully. I think the only thing that I would add as someone like who, who is judged on like, like for multiple federations on different styles of panels, whether we've used scorecards uh, with paper electronically or we've just been part of discussions, 
I've found that the discussion-based judging style where you don't use scorecards works really well if there are not many judges. If there are too many cooks in the kitchen, it's just too hard to communicate. Like if you have maybe more than four judges, three or four judges, it is too hard to just get your word across and make sure everyone gets a fair input on the judging panel and make sure that all judges are heard because some judges may essentially get left out of the um, the conversation. Um, I know a lot of time in a lot of federations in and overall, the judges are asked to write a number down. So there is like somewhat of a scoring there. Um, but I think if there's too many cooks in the kitchen, you need to have a scorecard so everyone can be heard and everyone can give their professional opinion and not be swayed. Um, it's just too easy for a big table to be swayed. Whereas if you've got a small table, you, let's say you've got three people, this is how we do it in India. We have three people. And if it's basically two to one, then that person is the winner. Um, it makes it, it makes it a lot easier because everyone can be heard on a small panel. Whereas with a bigger panel, I think you need a scorecard. I think it's necessary. It removes bias and it makes sure everyone's heard and it makes sure nothing slips through the cracks. Yeah, I think what DC said was pretty much nail on the head. Like, there's realistically not much more you could add there. And this was one of the issues that they ran into with the WBFF. So they did the WBFF Worlds. And when a lot of the athletes were, like, asking for, like, feedback and, like, you know, in the end, they weren't even using scorecards. And it was a big uproar because, like, like what DC said, when you have pro athletes at a world show – it's quite literally splitting hairs. Like, you know, you have 20 athletes uh, that are 100% complete, all of them pretty much nearly on the stage. Now it comes down to those minute little details. Who's got that extra 1% symmetry and stuff like that? Like, you know, maybe you might be swayed from like what DC said, like someone next to you, especially in a discussion basis. Um, you know, you're judging so many high-level athletes and you're sitting there and you're, yeah, I think this guy's got it. Like, it, it ain't going to go down like that. It's it's going to be far too difficult. And that's like, you know, what some of the WMBF over in like the UK, like, you know, cut out some of the divisions so they do have that time to, you know, actually individually grade every single person um, to ensure that the results are as accurate as possible. Mm. I also think when there's so many competitors and the day is so long, how can you truthfully think that the judge is always going to be on for the entire, you know, 12 hour stint. I mean, reflect back to, I don't know, yesterday's work when, for all of you. Was there a point in that timeline where you took, you know, five minutes just to kind of let your mind go free a little bit? Like you didn't, you weren't on for the entire day's work from eight o'clock till, you know, 5 p.m. Like you needed a little bit of a gap, psychological gap. It might've just been to look, you know, beyond your balcony for 20 seconds and then come back down to the work that you needed to do. Like we can't truthfully focus intensely for, you know, a, a six, seven hour, 12 hour stint, right? <laughs> it's just not realistic. So, I mean, if it's just a discussion-based panel, then I could also be, you know, switching off for a little bit and I don't look at everybody honestly and and then my opinion gets, gets you know, missed and, and, and biases get confirmed. So, yeah, yeah, I don't want to expand on it any further, but I think there's a lot of loopholes involved in in uh, the aforementioned. Yeah, I think that's a very good discussion and, and very good points, DC, and from all of you guys. And yeah, it's just, it's such a complicated thing because any change that would be brought about would require, you know, a massive overhaul, which we're not necessarily saying needs to happen. But I think that the listeners of this show sort of, 
know that we're not here to to critique and and to bash anyone we're just here for open discussions and a lot of food for thought so lads is sort of at the hour mark which is where we do like to leave things here on the bodybuilding down under podcast so that it can complement your cardio uh, hopefully it hasn't been hit cardio for the entire hour if it is i'm very very sorry uh, but you know tick that box baby how bad do you want it um so guys obviously just want to make a uh, a big shout out joseph cantlin you're wonderful thank you for coming on today thanks for joining us mate thanks mate thanks for uh, having me and making me feel welcome i really appreciate it no drums at all as always guys you know you know where you can find joey you know where you can find all the rest of us and we'll be back next monday no we won't we'll be back next wednesday for another episode of bdu 